0: Welcome to the Pain-Free Zone. Your host, Niecy Edwards, is founder of the Fibro Patient Education and Support Organization, and she's here to offer help and hope to the millions of individuals who suffer from chronic pain. Now, here's Nisi Edwards. Welcome to the Pain-Free Zone. I'm your host, Niecy Edwards, and on today's show, we have attorney, Edward Farmer, Attorney Edward Farmer is a U.S. Army veteran of the Iraq War and understands the unique legal needs of the veteran community. A majority of his career has been dedicated to providing quality legal assistance for the veteran community. He has extensive experience in handling VA disability appeals at the regional office, Board of Veterans' Appeals, and the Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. At the John Marshall Law School, He taught law students and other lawyers the substantive and practical aspects, VA disability appeals, discharge upgrades, and veteran division court matters. Due to his experience, he has been frequently invited to present on veteran and military service-related topics, and he is currently the owner of the law office of Edward M. Farmer, a firm focusing on VA disability appeals and discharge upgrades. Welcome, Ed. How are you this morning?
1: Great, Nisi. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm so glad that you're here. I know how busy you've been, so it's a pleasure for you to join me today in the studio.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm glad to be here.
0: Thank you. So, Ed, uh, tell us about your um, your background.
1: Sure. So, I, I'm a U.S. Army veteran. I joined the Illinois National Guard uh when I was in high school, so when I was 17. I I always had a desire to join the military. My father was drafted during the Vietnam War, my grandfather was drafted during World War II, uh, both Army veterans, and so I wanted to kind of carry on that uh, tradition. Um, I, I went to basic training in 2001, in actually August of 2001, and we all know what happened then that next month. So yes. I actually in basic training when nine eleven happened, which was a quite the experience as well. So I mean I didn't I didn't know that the towers had collapsed until I got home in November. because uh, the military did a fairly good job of sort of keeping some of the facts from us at the time. So
0: Now, Ed, um, tell us, what made you, if I may ask, uh, I know that you come from a strong military family background. Um, What was your motivation for joining the military?
1: Well, just serve my country. Uh, It was also a way to help pay for college. But, I mean, joining the military was always something I kind of had instilled within me and what I, I wanted to do.
0: Okay, awesome. And how many tours of duties?
1: I did one tour of uh, duty in Iraq from May 05 to May 06.
0: What was that experience like?
1: Well, I'm very glad I did it and got to experience it. Um, Over there, I I was doing combat patrols and searching uh, houses for weapons, uh, protecting the uh then my tour, I, I was part of the base security team and protected uh, the base, the Marine Corps base. Uh, and when I was over there, I did have some injuries. And, and so when I came home, I applied for VA benefits and struggled through uh, the process. And that, that's when I, I kind of knew I wanted to uh, help other veterans with who are also struggling with their VA disability claims.
0: Okay. And so what was it like to transition from serving your country in the military and then to going to law school? Well,
1: I mean, it was tough. Um, not not everyone has military experience uh, that you're going to law school with. In fact, a small portion of the population there are veterans. Um, it, And people just don't understand what that military mentality or lifestyle. I And so you kind of feel a little bit outcast. You're a little bit older than everyone. Uh, You just got out of the military. You're still trying to readjust back to civilian life uh, and at the same time keep up with your studies.
0: That that sounds overwhelming.
1: It it was. Uh, I mean, luckily I found – a group of other veterans, and we kind of formed the uh, what was called the Military Veterans Law Association, and it was sort of a support group for us, and we kind of helped each other through uh, law school.
0: Oh, that that's awesome to have that level of support. Now, um, you went to school at the John Marshall Law School? Uh,
1: no. I actually graduated law school from Valparaiso uh, University School of Law in Valparaiso, Indiana.
0: Oh, okay. So, who's your town? Okay. In Indiana. Yes. All right. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I was born and raised in Northwest Indiana. So, okay. Awesome. All right. Well,
1: so, yeah, you're familiar with Valpo then.
0: Yes, I am. Very much so. Now, what I'm curious to know is your specialty, your firm focuses on VA disability appeals and discharge updates. Is that, um, I'm not going to say a large area because I know it's a large area with many vets needing assistance, needing to know what their benefits are. But are there really very many attorneys specializing in that area of law?
1: No, in fact, there's not many at all. I I would say there's probably a thousand attorneys nationwide that do it to the level that I I do it on a daily basis. Um, And in Chicago, I'm the only one I know of that does it to this extent.
0: That's what I was thinking, because when I think about our vets, um, the care and the services that they need, and I've been following a lot of the discussions that I've seen on some of the blogs as well as in the news, that even for our vets, for example, to get uh, medical care and treatment, you know, getting uh, their benefits with Social Security and other benefits, many don't even know where to turn. And it doesn't sound like there is a lot of support out there for them in terms of knowing what their rights are and how to proceed. Well, they,
1: they have the veteran Service Organizations, uh, such as American Legion and AMBATS and the VFW, and they assist uh, with filing new claims and helping with appeals. But they, they're trying to help so many guys at once, uh, and they they have a limited resources that it's tough for them to give um, a lot of individual attention to the claims. So in the VA world, you actually can't hire an attorney until you apply and you get d- denied. And then you could hire them to help with the uh, uh, appeals process. So, yeah, you you're right. There's not a whole lot of, resources for vets who are trying to file new claims. And I I think part of the problem with the system and and why there are so many denials is that uh, veterans aren't aware of the elements they have to prove to get a disability service-connected or to increase a rating or whatever benefit they're trying to obtain. They they don't understand what the legal qualifications are.
0: Does the military um – not cover that for the vets. And then the other question that I want to ask you is you mentioned they can't retain the the, the legal counsel of an attorney, not until they've been denied. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So as of February 19th this year, so a month ago, the VA came out with a new rule saying that attorneys can't charge a fee Uh, to represent the veteran before the Department of Veterans Affairs until they receive their initial decision. And so, in other words, I can't be hired to help file a new claim. Uh, They have to apply on their own or with the help of a veteran service organization and then receive that first decision before they're able to get my assistance.
0: Okay. And for the veteran Service Association, I mean, um, are they widely available because i'm just thinking about maybe some of those vets who may let's say for instance live in a rural area i mean do all vets have access to that
1: so each county or a lot of the counties have what's called a veteran assistance commission and this is a commission set up basically to help vets including uh, issues with VA disability claims. I know some of the rural counties do not have them, and they would have to go to a neighboring county to use them. In um, Chicago, I mean, they're widely accessible, and they're they're uh, located at the VA regional office in, in the medical district in Chicago. But, yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's a, a problem, big problem right now is getting rural vets access to benefits or access to VA health care. Um, you have to think some of these guys are coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq and they're suffering from traumatic brain injuries or they're suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and then they probably have trouble complete, even though it's supposed to be a veteran-friendly system, they do have trouble completing the forms on their own or they don't understand what they need to prove to win their claim. And then the, on top of that, they can't get help because maybe they don't have uh, – maybe they came home and they're drinking heavy because of their conditions and they lost their license. And then they're in the middle of rural Illinois and they can't exactly ride their bike to the next county or their next town to get the help they need. And so a big push right now is to get these rural veterans some help uh, obtaining their VA benefits
0: and that's something i i just don't understand um because number one i would think that with the vets they've served our country they've they've come home uh, many of course they're still serving but let's say those who have returned home they're coming home uh injured or ptsd other mental nervous problems traumatic brain injuries you would think that that should be automatic given that they would get you know, approve and get the care that they need, and then they should not be drawn out.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, that's not the way it is, that the VA frequently denies these claims. A lot lot of these guys are depending on that money to make ends meet. And if you're waiting two, three, four, five years for the VA to decide a claim, I mean, that's a long time to try to provide for your family. Uh, especially if you're, you're having trouble working and you can't work due to your service-connected disabilities.
0: Well, that's that's awful because there are a lot of vets out there that are homeless. And it just seems that, you know, we've turned our back on them.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there should never be a homeless
0: veteran. No, never, ever. Now, in terms of um, fouling for their disability, when you mention about the PTSD, the traumatic brain injuries, many of them may not even know how to complete the paperwork cognitively, just trying to understand what's required of them. I just feel that more needs to be done um, when it comes to that. And I, when I was thinking about this last night, since I knew you were coming on the air, I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be nice if there was some type of... Um, mobile units or something that can go into these areas to reach the vets, to talk with them, to educate them as to what the benefits are, how to go about applying for them. Similar to, you know, when there's a national disaster, they dispatch FEMA and these other agencies where they go out there in the field to get people signed up. It would be nice to see them do something like that similar for the vets.
1: Yeah, I think that would be a great idea. I, I do think some of the organizations do that to okay. an extent. I'm not sure what areas they go to or how often. Um, but I, I know it's on – so Illinois just got appointed a new director of the Illinois Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, Linda Chapa-Levia. Um, and, and I know part of her campaign is to get these rural veterans some access to uh, – services they need
0: now what are some of the benefits because um, many don't seem to understand what the benefits are i I know a lot of vets Um, my brother and my father another relative served uh, in the military and um, even talking to some friends who served in the military they don't even seem to understand or know what their benefits are even down to for example housing you know so let's say that they want to go Purchase a home, for example, to know even what those VA benefits are.
1: Sure, I mean there's a there's numerous VA benefits. I, I'm sure I don't even there's some I don't know about yet. Um, I mean the big one that I deal with the two big monetary benefits. The the first one's called service connected disability benefits, and and that's for that's compensation for disabilities uh, incurred in or a result of the uh, service member's service. So it's a monthly payment to that veteran, uh, the amount of money, the amount of payments based on the severity of the injury. And that's those are the type of cases I normally deal with. There's another uh, benefit for wartime veterans. It's it's called the VA pension. Uh, So this is a a needs-based benefit, which means – that there's a certain income requirement you have to be under to qualify. And so you have to be a wartime veteran to serve at least one day during a period of war. You have to have honorable service. And you have to be over 65 or completely disabled. But the disabilities do not have to be service-related.
0: Okay.
1: And then your income and assets have to be limited as well. Uh, so typically it's, it's under about $12,000 a year for a single veteran.
0: But that's not a, a lot of money to live off of when you think about the cost of living, you think about housing, you think about food, shelter, medical care. I mean, a variety of things that they're going to need.
1: No, it's not a lot of money at all. In fact, it's it's basically the federal poverty level is what they're paying you, Um but, I mean, $12,000 a year to some guys is, is better than nothing. So they, they take that. Um, and the VA does have some housing assistance for homeless vets. Uh, the big one is called HUD-VASH. So they could get a housing subsidy uh for a place to live until they get back up on their feet.
0: And you said HUD VASH, HUD H-U-D VASH, is that V-A-S-H, or how, do, how are you spelling that?
1: Yes, uh, H-U-D dash V-A-S-H. V-A, so it's, it's, okay. it's a housing voucher for homeless veterans.
0: Okay. And these vouchers for the homeless veterans, um, the okay, they get the voucher. Are they limited to certain areas? Because with the vouchers, correct me if I'm wrong. Is isn't? Wouldn't one of the problems be okay? Now that I have that voucher. Finding quality housing in a safe environment?
1: Yeah, I believe that that could be a potential problem. I, I know that is an issue with some other vouchers. I think I, I could be wrong on this, but I believe that the VA has their own properties which they put uh, the veterans into. So they're, they're actually, I think they're located a lot of times on uh, VA property but i'm not sure about the i've never heard a veteran say they had to wait for the voucher or wait for housing you do hear that with some of the other ones because there's nothing available uh i have not heard that with the va vouchers
0: okay now who comes up and decides that it should be fpl the federal poverty level i mean why is it that amount and not more
1: That's, that's what, uh, Congress said in implementing the, uh, the rule that the people who are under the poverty level will qualify for this benefit. Now, there, there's an exception. So, say for, as an example, a single vet, he has to make under $12,000 a year to qualify for the, for the benefit. And say he gets $12,000 a year from Social Security so he would be disqualified but if he also had $12,000 in unreimbursed medical expenses he could use that to reduce his countable income and so reimbursed medical expenses reduce the amount of income you have and that could technically qualify you for the benefit as well
0: I don't think many Americans are even aware as to what the limitness is for this. I mean, because again, so okay, they get let's say twelve grand, but if they're getting Social Security and let's say it's twelve grand, that counsels that out. And again, we're still not looking at uh, a lot of money. And um, not to get into politics or anything like that, but what I find disturbing is, okay, you go, you fight for your country. You, you come home, we can spend all this money to, you know, fight all these other wars. It just seems to me it should be more money that goes to our veterans for their needs. I mean, 12 grand, again, not much money.
1: No, I, I completely agree. Um, and it's a problem. The VA is a broken system, and I'm not sure what the solution is to fix it. I mean that the staff there are overworked and under and they're expected to be lawyers and doctors and whatever else they're expected to be and they rush the decisions and they decide them incorrectly and then the veteran sits in the, the appeals process for two three years waiting for his claim to be cited.
0: And many um, people can't afford to wait two to three years. They've been waiting, you know, long enough and then to wait for another two to three years and some by, by the time those two to three years have ended may not even be with us anymore.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've had clients who've passed away waiting for the VA to decide their claim. Um, I've had vets go homeless because they've ran out of money or they live in living a garage or living on a friend's couch while they're waiting for the VA to decide their claims.
0: Mm. That's, that's- just unnerving for me, I mean, because that's just so painful to hear. I mean, because in this country, there shouldn't be any homeless people, definitely no homeless vets. You know, you would think, okay, you come back, that you're going to have access to everything you need, and we know that that's not the case, and you're correct. The VA uh is understaffed, and more funding needs to be allocated. And the workers at the VA who are reviewing these claims and whatnot, many of them are not veterans at all, are they?
1: I know a portion of them are veterans. I don't know how many are or aren't. Um, I mean, they're certainly, they're yeah. not lawyers. Right. But they probably should be. I mean, the, the VA rules and regulations are complicated. It's, there's over 2,000 pages of them. And to expect, that it took me years to get the level of expertise I have now. And... We have people probably just began the job who are deciding these claims and deciding them incorrectly and doing a veteran a disservice.
0: Definitely. And, you know, may not even realize they're doing a disservice. You know, many of them may think, hey, I'm, they may think that they understand it or they may think that they're doing the best job they can, but it's still doing the veterans a disservice.
1: Yeah, absolutely, especially when you can't work because of the disabilities you incurred as a result of your uh, service.
0: Now, are there some states um, that's easier to work with for the vets than others where there's less backlogs in terms of uh, reviewing these claims or appeals?
1: Yeah, and and my understanding is what the VA has been doing is outsourcing of so if you apply in Chicago, Chicago is a very busy regional office for the VA. And so in order to reduce the backlog, my understanding is they're sending these claims off to some of the states with a smaller backlog. Uh, in my personal practice, I see them sending it to South Dakota and Vermont are the, are the two ones I've been getting back. So they, send, they sort of outsource the claims to less busy regional offices.
0: Okay, and does it matter what state you're in, the the benefits, would they not be the same?
1: Uh, On the federal level, all the benefits are the same. Okay. Some states have state-specific veteran benefits. Uh, For example, Illinois' big benefit for veterans is if you're a service-connected veteran uh, with a disability rating of at least – 50%, 50%, you could get a reduction on your property taxes. And if you're at least 70% disabled, you're exempt from paying Illinois property tax.
0: Okay. I wonder how many vets are even aware of that.
1: I'm not sure. I, I hope a uh, majority of them are because that's a huge benefit, in, especially in Illinois.
0: Yeah. So you're saying if your rating is 70%, you don't pay any property taxes in Illinois? Correct. Okay, and if it is, um, what was the other eighty um, percent rating? What were the benefits?
1: Oh, so if you're, I would have to look up the exact amounts, but if you're under seventy percent, I think if you're between fifty and sixty percent, they reduce the assessed value of your property, so you get a reduction in your property taxes.
0: Okay. And who determines, uh, is it Congress that's putting into place in terms of your rating? And what does it actually mean for rating? Is that based upon uh, your level of disability?
1: Yes. So there's, there's something called the Code of Federal Regulations. And within that code, they have a list of about 10,000 disabilities and it's broken down by body system. And then each disability has a list of symptoms and a corresponding rating for those symptoms. And so if you meet all the symptoms for a 10% rating for that disability, then that's what the VA will assign to you.
0: Okay. Now I'm curious to know, do you um – um have many clients, or have you run across very many cases where the clients have fibromyalgia uh, i someone contacted me a month ago due to my website um, some information that they saw, and they mentioned to me that there are a lot of veterans that have been diagnosed with fibromyalgia.
1: I haven't personally uh, come across a lot in my practice a, a few but there is a high portion of veterans with fibromyalgia, especially Persian Gulf vets. Yes. And so they believe what it is causing the fibromyalgia and Persian Gulf vets are the the environmental toxins in the Persian Gulf. So the the burn pits and when the oil fields are burning there back in the 90s, uh, and there's just heavy metals in, in the air and the dust in there. And they believe that has something to do with it. But there hasn't been a whole lot of medical or scientific evidence confirming that link. So what the VA did was they said, if you served in the Persian Gulf and you've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, we will, we will presume that your fibromyalgia is caused by your Persian Gulf service. So in other words, If you apply for fibromyalgia to the VA and you served in the Persian Gulf, you don't have to prove that that fibromyalgia was caused by your service. It's a legal presumption. And so it makes it easier for vets to win fibromyalgia claims, which is probably why I don't see those claims very often because the VA is actually probably granting them.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, what about vets that are Vietnam-era vets that did not see combat or were in a place to claim Agent Orange? I get a lot of those questions all the time where people will say, well, what about my situation? You know, I was a Vietnam-era vet. I didn't see combat, but yet um, I'm having difficulties getting my disability approved.
1: Are are they applying for fibromyalgia or just in... Just generally?
0: Just generally.
1: Okay. Uh, so a lot of Vietnam vets, I mean, actually majority of my clients are Vietnam era. Um, and this is because many of them waited many years before they started filing, they either felt they didn't deserve the benefits or they didn't, many times they didn't start having the issues until 40, 50 years after service. Uh, for example, Agent Orange, Conditions don't show up until 40, 50 years later sometimes. Um, now, you said if they're not a combat vet, then they have to show that their disability is directly related to their service in some way, either incurred during service or caused by their service. Okay. Uh, if they're if they're claiming it as a result of Agent Orange, that makes it a lot easier for them, because similar to the fibromyalgia presumption, Mm -hmm. there's actually, there's an Agent Orange presumption too, and what that says is, if you were, if you were within Vietnam, during the Vietnam War, then you're presumed to have been exposed to Agent Orange, and then on top of that, if you have one of the disabilities that the VA says is caused by Agent Orange, then it's they give you that presumption as well. So they presume certain things are caused by Asian Orange. For example, ischemic heart disease, diabetes, uh, pancreatic cancer or prostate cancer, uh, and a variety of other cancers they presume are caused by Asian Orange.
0: Okay. So since they're uh, assuming that they're caused um, by uh, Asian Orange, is there a special area uh, within the Veterans Administration that – maybe work more closely with those vets affected by Asian Orange? Because I would imagine that uh, the side effects of being exposed to that uh, last a lifetime.
1: I'm not aware of any special unit or division within the VA that works just with Asian Orange. Uh, veterans, no. Um, in fact, so a big case just came out at, uh, involving Agent Orange. So up until... Last month or a couple months ago, the VA said the only people who are presumed exposed to Agent Orange are those who stepped foot on Vietnam soil or were in the inner waterways of Vietnam. And so they excluded Navy vets who were within the territorial waters of Vietnam, uh, saying that they were not exposed to Agent Orange, although they're suffering from Agent Orange-related conditions. And a court, the federal, U.S. Federal Circuit Court of Appeals just ruled that uh, they have to grant that presumption to Navy vets.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so now over 80,000 Navy vets are now entitled to benefits from the VA for Agent Orange.
0: Is that going to, uh, I would imagine that there is a a humongous backlog, backlog of claims waiting to be processed for that.
1: Yeah, they, well, they think 80,000 are entitled to it. Um, and so it may get challenged in the U.S. Supreme Court, but if, if it doesn't, then yeah, there, there's going to be certainly a, a big flow of Navy veterans applying for these benefits.
0: Um, that, that is, that's, that's a huge decision, uh, life changing for a lot of people.
1: Yes, and I'm sure a lot of Navy vets aren't aware of it yet either. Um, I did just post an article about it on my blog as well.
0: Okay, I will look for that, and if it's okay with you, I would like to share that with my audience as well.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, I'm curious to know something, and I get asked this question all the time. Why do the vast number of attorneys refrain from taking on VA disability benefits, I mean disability cases? i'm I'm thinking, and I could be wrong you're the expert I'm thinking it could be because of all the like you mentioned about the documents um all the detail regarding you know the laws, the rules, the regulation that they may not be well versed, especially if they've never served in the military, they may not even know where to even begin. I would think that for something like this, it will work well with someone who served in the military, someone such as yourself. Who understands these rules and regulations, and maybe the the vast number of other attorneys haven't had time to really study these rules and regulations
1: yeah it's certainly a niche area it's actually a very new area of law uh, so before two thousand and seven attorneys really couldn't charge a fee to handle VA disability claims they the rule actually said they could charge, I think, ten dollars, which was a a rule dating back to the Civil War. Okay. And then in two thousand seven, Congress changed the rules to say that an attorney could charge a fee for after a VA uh, a veteran receives a denial and he is ready to appeal the decision. And so I think that that kept a lot of attorneys out of the area, uh, and it's only since 2007 that they're learning that this area of law exists and they're getting involved. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot to learn. It's a lot to pick up on. And if you're not doing it on a day to day basis, you could get quickly overwhelmed, uh, especially with the way the, the VA operates. Um, And uh, I think another part of that keeps attorneys out is it's a very slow process. So you may pick, I may pick up a case today and it may not be resolved for another three years. Mm -hmm. And that's a a long time to kind of carry a case. Um, And and so I think that also is a turn off to a lot of attorneys.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's a long, that's a very, very long time. And if you're not really well versed in all the knowledge that you need, you likewise could still be doing a disservice to the vets.
1: Well, right, correct. If you don't know what you're doing, you could really bungle somebody's claim and now they're waiting a couple more years to uh, get that resolved and fix the error
0: true now one thing i want i do want to talk to you about too before i forget is in the state of illinois uh, i've been following this uh, closely uh, uh medicinal cannabis i attended uh an event in 2018 and i met a veteran at this event it was geared towards uh medicinal cannabis you know what you need to know learning about the benefits of it now does the the va not allow vets to use medicinal cannabis?
1: So there was, was a point in time where the VA was telling veterans who were on state-approved medical cannabis that they couldn't use the Veteran Health Administration uh, or participate in substance abuse counseling, or they denied them pain medication because they were using cannabis. Now the VA's policy is that they will not preclude a veteran from participating in those programs if they have state approved medical cannabis, but they still take the position that the cannabis is illegal under federal law. It's, it's still a schedule one drug and they do not allow their doctors to sign off on any documentation that could be used to obtain uh, state-approved cannabis.
0: Okay, so let's, so let's talk a minute about um, medicinal cannabis dispensaries. Some of them, you can go to them. They're, of course, not the ones writing the scripts, but they know of physicians who uh, can treat a patient, examine them, to determine if this is something that can be beneficial, let's say that a veteran goes to one of these physicians and gets, you know, a script for medicinal cannabis. Is that going to affect their VA benefits?
1: No, it won't affect their VA benefits. Um, I mean, currently in Illinois, you don't actually need a prescription for cannabis. Right. All that, yeah, all you need is a confirmation that you have one of the approved diagnoses.
0: Yes, one of those approved conditions. I, I, I've i seen them. They have several, you know, listed all those approved conditions.
1: Right, and I think including fibromyalgia.
0: Yes, it is.
1: Uh, but, no, I'm not aware of any veteran who has been denied benefits through the VA because he's on cannabis, uh, Except occasionally I hear of a veteran who says his doctor stopped prescribing him opiate medication because he's on medical cannabis and they're concerned about the side effects. Um, They can do that. The VA can say we're not going to prescribe you pain medication anymore if you're on medical cannabis because it's considered a medical decision. But if a veteran is denied access to VA healthcare altogether because he's on medical cannabis, then – well, he should give me a call or give somebody a call because they cannot do that.
0: Okay, that's good to know because I've met some vets and they're under the opinion that if they use medicinal cannabis and let's say they didn't have to go to the VA to be examined or checked, that they're afraid that they're going to be cut off.
1: No, I'm not, I would not be uh, worried about that.
0: Okay. That's definitely good to know. Uh,
1: and if that does happen, then there, there's a process to uh, appeal that.
0: There's, um, there's a lot of misinformation out there, isn't there?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the big problem becomes somebody tells somebody else some misinformation, and next thing you know, that's spreading throughout the VA community.
0: Yes, and creates a lot of fear. Yes. So tell us about the services that your law firm provides.
1: So as I I stated before, I mainly focus on veteran disability appeals. And so I handle appeals all the way from the regional office level up to the Federal Circuit Court, which is a court just below the Supreme Court. And And then the other big area of law I handle is discharge upgrades. And so discharge upgrades are if you you leave service with a less than honorable, there's a process to petition, uh, the service, one of the, your branch of service to upgrade your discharge to something more honorable, uh, so you could receive VA benefits and get, get the uh, services you need. So I'm launching a new service here in April. It's going to be called uh the veteran or the VA legal assistance hotline. And so th- this service is going to be for veterans who don't need full attorney representation, they're just looking to get some advice or maybe assistance with their their VA claim or have a few questions about it. I'm offering a one-hour consultation where I review documents, answer your questions, and that will be a $99 service. Okay. And I essentially, I'll teach you what you need to win your VA claim. Oh, that's
0: awesome. Uh, That's definitely a value-added service.
1: So come look for that in uh, April.
0: Okay, come look for that uh in April. And for our listeners out there, if you want to join us live and ask Attorney Farm any questions, our listener line is 888-463-6748 or 888 go it G-O-F-O-R-I-T. So that is definitely um, a value-added service. I would like to uh, donate some 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 money towards hours for that to help some of the vets if you know that may not be able to afford the ninety nine dollars. Oh well,
1: that'd be terrific, yeah.
0: Because that's definitely needed. A lot of people don't even know where to start. I mean, I know that working with a vet is you know probably much totally different from working with someone that's a non vet for social security because of all the laws and the rules and the regulations and just many people are in need. They need help you are an advocate, you're someone that understands this because you've served in the military, you're also an attorney, so that gives you, I feel, a unique advantage and puts them in really good hands.
1: Yeah, I mean, it certainly helps to to be a veteran and to have the experience behind me, and I do understand where a lot of these guys are coming from, and uh, sometimes it's, it's almost... Personal for me, because these are brothers in arms who are doing, the VA is doing them wrong, and so they need uh, help.
0: If I was to ask you, what keeps you up at night uh, in this area of law, what would that be?
1: What keeps me up at night? Well, I mean, I worry about my clients, and um, if this guy is going to have a roof over his head the next day, or... How much longer is it before this guy gets his uh, VA money back? And so, I mean, these guys are, are suffering and they shouldn't have to be. And and I do kind of worry about my clients who are these benefits and are waiting on them.
0: Wow. Now, um, with your clients, let's say um, they get their ruling, are these benefits – uh, permanent. So, in other words, once they've been approved, can these benefits be taken away from them?
1: They can be uh, taken away, and that's a big issue lately um, is that be- veterans could have their benefits reduced. And so what the VA can do is they could say, we want you to come back in and get go go to a medical exam and get reevalu get your condition reevaluated. And so they'll go to these exams and the doctor meets with them for ten minutes, knows nothing about their history, and then the doctor makes an opinion, his condition's gotten better. Mm-hmm. And so next thing you know, the veteran's getting a letter saying we're reducing your benefits and Whatever it may be, he may be getting $3,000 a month and reducing it to $1,500 a month. And that could be a huge deal for guys.
0: Oh, um, yes, guys and gals. And you can't see me, but I'm just shaking my head in disgust because that sounds similar to what other people go through who are non-vets. I mean, if you think about it, this is a doctor that's not even your, this is someone that's not even your own primary care doctor. Like you said, someone who does not even know you. And in 10 minutes or less, they're making a decision that has the potential to, hey, you know, help you or hinder you.
1: No, absolutely. And uh, on top of that, the VA adjudicators who are proposing these reductions don't understand the due process necessary to actually reduce them. And so they break VA law in reducing their benefits. And now the vet has to go through the appeals process just to get back the benefits he's been entitled to the whole time. And, I mean, they'll pay him back to the day they reduced it, but he still has to find a way to make up that missing income for those couple years.
0: True, and the damage has already been done. Right. What about mental nervous benefits um, for the vets? Um, you have a lot of them who who have returned from the war. They've seen so much. They've endured so much. My concern is for those that are still over there in various countries still serving. You know, um, they've been on tour after tour after tour of duty, haven't been back home. My concern is, okay, what effects is this having on them? Long periods of time being exposed to everything that they've been exposed to.
1: Well, the VA has gone much better about providing mental health care to veterans coming home. Um, There has been improvement there, uh, especially at Jesse Brown and Hines here in Chicago. But the problem are the veterans, like we discussed before, these rural veterans who may slip through the cracks and or maybe not have access to VA health care. I mean, if if you have to travel – an hour plus to your nearest VA facility, you probably aren't going to do that, and especially if you don't have public transportation or, or you don't own a car, uh, how are you going to get there? And so you never get tr- treat your mental health condition, and you continue to get worse and kind of s- slide down this slippery slope. Um, so uh, expanding. VA healthcare and mental health services in the rural vets, I think, should be a, a top priority, um, for this administration.
0: Oh, I totally agree because, um it's, it's definitely needed. I mean, because people assume, oh, well, they have transportation. Everyone doesn't have access to transportation. And if you don't have any income coming in, guess what? You can't afford to pay for a taxi, a Uber, uh, a Lyft, or whatever it may be.
1: Exactly. If those services are even available in your area.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, let's not forget about that. Uh, that's true. I I just feel Ed that a lot of people don't get it till they got it. You know what I mean? You know, they can talk all day about, okay, well, the vets have access to everything when veterans do not. I think about my brother. Um, my brother is deceased and, um, he was a Marine. And he served in Vietnam. You know, he went away uh, to war one way. You know, when he returned, you know, he came back uh, a different way. And I think about all of the problems he had with, you know, mental and nervous condition, um, just the PTSD, uh, a a number of things, and just trying to get support. And some things that I've learned uh, from my brother's experience don't share with family members. And we would do our best to rally around him, you know, if there was a financial need or whatever it was. He did get his, you know, service disability 100%, but there were still other needs on the mental and nervous side, things that we couldn't provide.
1: Right. I mean, PTSD wasn't recognized until the 80s. Yes. And now, I mean, Thankfully, the uh, military is finally starting to recognize that these guys are coming home with mental health conditions, and they're a little more sympathetic to it. Um, in fact, we were talking about these discharge upgrades earlier where guys maybe had some misconduct in service, and they got discharged with less than honorable, and, and that's precluding them from getting their benefits. Um, n- a couple of years ago, the Secretary of Defense, Secretary Hagel, finally recognized, hey, a lot of these Vietnam veterans, the reason they were probably acting up or drinking heavy or went AWOL is they're probably suffering from a post-mac stress disorder, and that was their way of coping with it. And, and so the guidance now is if you're a Vietnam veteran, and you suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, and there's some sort of misconduct involved that led you to get a less than honorable discharge, then they're going to give those veterans some liberal and special consideration in their uh, petition for upgrade.
0: Okay. Now, um, in terms of lay people such as myself who have not served in the military, what are some ways we can get involved to help our vets, to support them?
1: So they always have what are called uh, stand-downs, so veteran stand-downs. And what these are is people from the community get together and provide various services to veterans. So usually there's, like, some sort of attorney or legal aid agency. Uh, there's the Veterans Assistance Commission. It's usually there helping these guys get food and stuff. Uh, They usually have coats. There's someone there, I went to one where someone was giving out free haircuts. And so there's a lot you could do at the uh, veteran stand-downs to assist. I I think their schedule is listed on uh, the VA.gov.
0: VA.gov. Okay, Mm -hmm. stand-down. Okay, I'm going to look for that. And um, when you were speaking earlier about the federal courts that decided in favor of the Blue Water Navy veterans, was that the Procopio versus Wilkie case?
1: Yes, uh, Procopio. Yes.
0: Procopio, thank you. Yes, so for our listeners, those of you uh, who may have family members that were Blue Water Navy veterans, uh, Attorney Ed Farmer mentioned earlier about the federal courts deciding in the favor of those Navy veterans, so um, you definitely want to check it out. Definitely uh, follow up with Attorney Farmer because um, he is, this is a niche area, so if you're looking for legal representation or you have some questions and you heard him mention that it correct me if I'm wrong, April first, that's when you're going to be rolling out your new service. Is that correct?
1: Uh yeah, so I plan on having it in April. I don't know if it'll be the first, but
0: sorry, April, you're gonna be rolling it out. I got I jumped ahead of myself. I got yeah. so excited. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll be sure to keep posted.
0: Okay, definitely do that. And so um, tell my audience, uh, we're just about out of time, but uh, tell my audience where they can connect with you.
1: Sure. So the office number is one 800 700 or my website is www.vetlawoffice.com.
0: Perfect. And everyone just want you to know that, um, Attorney Ed Farmer, I've reached out to him about doing something local, uh, in Lake County, Illinois with my not for profit fibro patient education and support. An event geared just for vets where they can come out and learn about their benefits. Uh, Attorney Farmer, he, this is his expertise. It's a niche area and you're going to be in good hands and he and I will, work out those details we've been in discussions um, regarding it and also check out our website www.fibromyalgiapatienteducation.info because Attorney uh, Farmer also writes a regular blog post for us on a variety of different topics gears towards veterans and their benefits so Ed it's been a pleasure having you on the show I welcome you to come back anytime your schedule permits, because as you are aware, this is an area that I really want to work more closely with to become more involved with. And uh, I just really appreciate all that you do um, to help veterans get their benefits and to educate them.
1: Thank you, Nisi. It's, It's been a real pleasure. I'd be happy to come back anytime. It was really fun.
0: Yes. Well, I'm extending you an open door invitation. You just say, Hey, Nisi, you know, I have some time. And uh, let's make it happen.
1: Okay, I, sounds great.
0: Thank you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day.
1: All right. Thank you, Nisi. You too.
0: Bye-bye. Bye bye.